Several years ago, I attended a big clergy convention at a hotel in Nashville. It was a very large gathering. The place was just crawling with ministers. And at the same time, that hotel was hosting a very large ballroom dancing competition. So on a practical level, what this meant is you'd get on an elevator and half the people would be wearing clergy collars and carrying big Bibles, and the other half would be wearing tiny dancing costumes covered in sequins. It was sort of like Billy Graham crusade meets Dancing with the Stars. Well, I was down in the lobby one evening waiting for friends. Uh, we were going to go to dinner together. And I struck up a conversation with an elderly gentleman who was there for the ballroom dancing competition. He was wearing what I would best describe as sort of a bullfighter costume, um, you know, red, white, and black, big puffy shirt, uh, velvet vest, the whole thing. And he told me all kinds of interesting things about ballroom dancing. Um, he said that it's very competitive. People practice, of course, all the time, that you earn points at these different competitions around the country that help you uh, with your ranking. He said that it's also very expensive. And he told me how many hours people put into those little costumes covered with sequins. Uh, then he told me that he was 86 years old. And I said something like, wow, that is really amazing. You know, there aren't a lot of people your age out traveling the country competing in ballroom dancing competitions. And he said, well, I never expected to live this long. I've outlived nearly all my family and my friends. But here I am, so I'm going to dance and enjoy my life. Friends, never judge a book by its cover. If you had told me that I would learn a very important lesson about life from a man wearing a bullfighter costume in a hotel lobby in Nashville, I probably wouldn't have believed you, but I did. That man reminded me of something very important, that one of the keys to living a life of meaning and fulfillment is accepting and even embracing the seasons of our lives, gleaning what we can from them, even in the challenging ones, being open to learning and transformation as we move through those seasons. Now, I know that's easier said than done, because the reality is we human beings do not like change. Even when it's good, we don't like change. And when that change comes to us and it involves pain or suffering or adversity, it's very, very hard for us to accept it. And yet, friends, change just is. There is a flow to human life, is there not? There is a movement to it that is beyond us, and that movement, that flow necessarily involves good and bad, light and dark mourning and dancing, life and death. The writer of Ecclesiastes puts it this way. He says, for everything there is a season, a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time for mourning and a time for dancing. Now, this is very interesting because 
In the passages just before this text, this same writer of Ecclesiastes has surveyed the landscape of human life and declared it vanity. Vanity of vanities, he says. It's all just a chasing after the wind. He's on a quest to discover the meaning of life, and he's trying different paths to see what will take him there to that meaning that he craves. And thus far, everything he's tried, he's pronounced vanity of vanities, a chasing after the wind, but not here. Here is this real change in tone in this text. For everything there is a season, a time for every matter under heaven. There's a balance to it, a wholeness to it, a rightness to it. Friends, it, it appears that he is indicating that there is meaning, there is richness in the seasonality of human life. How can that be true? Well, I think it can only be true if the wisdom of God is somehow embedded in that seasonality, in that change, in that impermanence. If through these changing seasons of our lives, God's presence is evident to us and there is opportunity for grace and growth and learning and even transformation. And friends, I do believe that that is the case. Although it can seem like an enigma, I think the great truth of this text is that this impermanence, this seasonality of human life actually contributes to its meaning. Without that seasonality, I think life would be Vanity of vanities, a chasing after the wind. Take day-to-day -day life, for example. I'm not talking about mountaintop life, like won the lottery times of life. I'm talking about day-to-day -day life, ordinary life, the place where most of us dwell the majority of the time. Those days where we just get up and there's nothing exciting on the calendar, and we move through our day and we do our thing, and before we know it, we're falling asleep in front of the news. You know, it's easy to sleepwalk through those ordinary days. Just move through sort of zombie-like, get from the beginning to the end and fail to appreciate, fail to see God in those days, say to ourselves, this is good, look around, see what's going on that we can give thanks for. It's, it's just so easy to dismiss ordinary days as somehow not very special or important and to act as if they're just going to go on forever. You know, at my former church, there was a woman I, I loved dearly who uh, was able to attend church when I was appointed there, but within a year or two uh, became uh, disabled and, and ended up being homebound. I went to visit her one day at her house, sat down in her living room, and I was surprised when almost immediately she asked if I could do her a favor. 
I said, well, what do you need me to do? And she told me that she wanted me to drive her to the local car dealership. And then she said she was going to buy a car and she was going to drive that car to visit her friend in Tyler, Texas. Now, friends, Tyler's hundreds and hundreds of miles away from where we were. And I said, well, help me understand why you want to do all this? And she said, well, my daughter took away my car. She says it's not safe for me to drive anymore, but that's silly. I can do it. I can do it. Now, just take me to the car dealer and don't tell my daughter. <laughs> friends, I did love her, and it was hard for me to tell her that I would not take her to the car dealership. I said, I don't think that would be very safe. But I said, I will help you dial your phone and, and we can call your friend so that you can have a visit with her that way. So we did that and she had a good visit with her friend. And then as I was leaving, she said, you get to drive all the time, don't you? And I said, yes. And she said, oh, you are so lucky. Friends, I had failed to appreciate something like driving, which seemed very ordinary to me. I had failed to appreciate the freedom that driving brings us. I had failed to appreciate the fact that I even had a car to drive. I was just so busy trying to get from one place to another and go about my business. I hadn't given thanks for that small thing. I wonder, friends, how many ordinary things like that we fail to appreciate each day. It's so easy to think that ordinary days are not special days. But you know, it occurred to me as I drove away that day from that woman's home that there could come a day in my life where I can't drive anymore due to age or disability that being able to drive won't go on forever. You see, friends, the seasonality, the fact that all things do not last, that there is impermanence, well, that also makes them precious. This seasonality, this impermanence of life helps us appreciate those ordinary days and the ordinary things that we do. So I want to encourage you, friends, to keep that lesson in mind. Get up every day. And whether it's something as simple as holding a hot cup of coffee in your hand or having someone to greet when you get out of bed or petting your dog or breathing the clean air outside, saying a prayer for someone, that you appreciate the beauty of an ordinary day. Give thanks for it to God. Say to yourself, it won't always be this way. And then be present. Be present in your own life. And days of adversity, seasons of challenge, well, they come to everybody, don't they? They come. One of my very favorite books is The Road Less Traveled by M. Scott Peck. And that seminal book opens with a sentence that's only three words. Life is difficult. Life is difficult.
Hardship comes to all of us. The seasons of adversity come. And when they do, thank goodness we can remember that they are only a season. You see, again, this impermanence gives us meaning and comfort and that we know that the season will pass. As one of my great friends, Diane Vogler, used to say, this too shall pass. It might pass like a kidney stone, but it shall pass. When we are standing in the valley of the shadow, friends, we can remember that there's only a shadow because there's light. And the day will come when we will step out into the light again. We can stand in a time of adversity and say, this will not last forever. And take solace in that. But I have to say, too, that although it's often difficult to embrace, the truth is that we have an opportunity to learn and to grow, to trust even deeply, deeper in God during times of challenge. That can be really hard to accept. But it is possible to glean tremendous meaning especially during times of adversity and challenge, pain and suffering in our lives. When my friend Diane was diagnosed with very late stage cancer, I was just heartbroken. I loved her dearly. She wasn't just my congregant, she was my friend. She was a cradle Methodist, came from Little Rock, Arkansas and had a heavy accent that I cannot imitate, but it was awesome. She held every single leadership position you can imagine in the church, and she had been active in United Methodist Women all the way up to the national level. She was a retired elementary school principal who dearly loved children and had great gifts for expressing Christ's love to them. And she was one of the funniest people I've ever known. Once she described a man to me as so narrow-minded he could see through a keyhole with two eyes. She was just funny like that. Well, as the cancer progressed and the treatment stopped working and it became apparent that she would die, together she and I recognized we were in a precious and short season of her life. My visits to her were always brief because she was often tired from the chemotherapy. But those visits were sweeter than I can possibly articulate to you. The seasonality, you see, that impermanence made both of us realize how precious that time truly was. And that impermanence made us realize, too, that there was really no time to continue to throw up the boundaries, you know, that we do with people. It was time to say face-to-face, -face, I love you, with no sense of embarrassment or reserve at all. And we had wonderful, vulnerable, and very transparent conversations together about life and death and faith and fear and friends and family and the complications of life, but most of all about our love for God and God's love for us, and yes, about the end of this earthly life and the promise of resurrection life.
In the last couple weeks, a lot of her family came to see her, and, and one came and, believe it or not, had a rather petty complaint that she wanted to raise with Diane. And I remember Diane saying to her, you know what, I don't have time for this. Dying has helped me realize that there's really not time for anything but love. Talk about profound wisdom. I typed out that sentence and I taped it to the desk in my office. It was there for several years. There's just not time for anything but love. Seasonality, impermanence. Sometimes those things are hard on us, but God's wisdom is embedded in those things. Diane helped me realize that again, that this time is precious and that there really isn't time for anything else but love. You know, last week, as we began this sermon series, we talked about finding meaning through the direction of our lives, that it's important to live a life that is directed outward, that we direct our love, our focus, our energy towards God and neighbor rather than being obsessed with self. And this week, friends, I hope you will take away step two to living a life of meaning and fulfillment, and that is to accept and even embrace the seasons of your life. The ordinary days are precious and good days, and even the hardest days can be precious and good days because the wisdom of God is embedded in them all. Will you pray with me? Most loving God, we give you thanks for the seasons of our lives. Sometimes, oh God, it's hard for us to accept change. But help us to see that your wisdom undergirds it all. May we appreciate every precious moment and glean the meaning and the richness from the life you've disowed on us. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.